Welcome to the Unsmall Game. I'm your host, Rob. Welcome to Stream Street Day 3 billion and 7. And I'm joined today by Neil Kerr and Dylan. Hey, Hi. Dylan. Hiya. Hi, Rob. Hiya. Hiya. <laughs> or, is that, or is he just looks like mini Neil? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, the shape of his face, because I've got a chubby round face. But honestly, like the eyes and everything, 100% my wife's. Oh really? I have like re- I have like really small, slanty, squinty eyes. He's got like really lovely big eyes. Oh, he's, he's and he hasn't babe. got and he hasn't got a massive nose either, like me. Is uh, what are we getting him into when he first starts playing war games? Like, where's he going first with it? Well, the question is, is he going to play war games? Oh, <laughs> there's, there's there's a whole debate on if he's going to do it or not. You know, I've got friends of mine like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids, you know, got my kids into gaming. It's really cool. And I've got other friends who are like, no, this is daddy's thing. I want like I want to keep my private time separate from the family. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So it's very uh, interesting. Chat... Yeah. Go on. So, no, sorry. I was just going to say Twitch chat. What's your thoughts? Like, because I'm sure there's some people in the chat with kids and where they're going with it. Um, uh, definitely. Uh, can I just say hello, everyone, in the Twitch chat for joining us live? Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, and also, thanks to everyone on the podcast. Neil's hanging out with me today as I continue my sojourn uh, through the powerful world of terrain printing. However, Neil also heard a bit of my conversation about TOs and terrain the other day, so we're going to approach that a little bit. And then I'm probably going to ban myself for a month about talking about terrain because <laughs> we've talked about it enough and it's fucking boring. Oh, sorry, Dylan. Oh no, he can't hear. He's right, he he's can't hear. He's... <laughs> <laughs> you can swear as much as you want, Rob. <laughs> and he can't um, read the swearing chat as well. <laughs> oh, my son just looked at, at y'all and went, "Me and Daddy, that's cute." Tristan and his son, uh, that's lovely. Give him a high skill cap army like GC Colts. Wow. <laughs> what you need to do is stop him dropping out in his teens. He'll have godlike power in his thirties. I mean. <laughs> That's the key part, right? Keeping yeah. him motivated. Uh, the next Nick Nanavati. Yeah, yeah. Just get. I mean, <laughs> by no the time social, he's eighteen, no life when he's a teen. I mean, by the time he's eighteen, T sports. It's going to be a huge T sport thing. Like we're going to have him. Like, don't worry. We'll get him in the. We'll get him in the the kids league. And that'll be yeah. a thing that'll happen at some point. Um, Joe PLC says, "I've got a baby girl on the way. I'll be happy for her to get to wargaming, but I'm not going to press it." Said Job PLC. I guess. I think it, you kind of go down two routes, really, as a parent. Not that I know at all. So hear me. Here I am, about to talk like I know a thing, and I definitely don't. Uh, <laughs> you, you either go down kind of like the Serena Williams, like what, I don't know what Daddy Williams is called, um, but Billy Bob. Push, what, do you know his name? I don't know his name. Ah, it must be uh, Billy Bob, surely. He's American. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, hi, Dad. Oh yeah. See you later. See you later, Dylan. Bye, everyone in the yeah. chat. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna go off for his afternoon walk soon. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, you either go that way, and you just you just gang press your kids basically, and like you will be great at this sport forever, or you just kind of let them do what they want. Uh, yeah. And I honestly, if I were to have kids, I don't know which way I'd take it. I don't know about you. I, I mean, it's like you know, I watched the uh, the Tiger Woods documentary about a month ago. Yeah, next year, and it's the thing is. It, it feels when you, when you watch these documentaries, you see the parents, the parents of the side, are like like my child's four years old, he's going to become the greatest golf forever. The Williamses and stuff. It's like okay, sure, the parents have got the have got the opportunity to teach the kids to potentially have like a life changing career. But the other side of it, it's not about the kids, and the kids don't really get a choice in the matter. They're forced to do it, and it is it, and it feels a little bit like child exploitation. It's like 
I'm going to make you the most successful golfer or tennis player or esport or t-sports player in the world, and I'm going to reap the benefits of it. Yeah. And that, yeah, I'm very cynical about that. I say, me and my wife had this conversation about, like, you know, you have these uh, child models or child actors, like very young children doing acting and modeling, you know, both of my teenagers, quite very young children. And it's like, well, who's getting the money from that? It's the parents. I don't so, know, though. It's like an investment, right? Like, you know, you, you pop out of kids. Like, I think the numbers are, it's like a quarter <laughs> of a million pounds to have a kid. You're like, I need to recoup that loss somehow. I need to get you to, <laughs> need to, get you to work, sunshine. Um, but it can mess kids up, and I agree. Uh, and it probably, if you're all right, Neil, I'm going to abandon this conversation and pull the full ripcord on this, the ejector seat, because I've got nothing useful to say and also based on no information. I'm completely ignorant in the dark, and I'd like to just leave, if that's all right. Can I eject out of this convo? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I know nothing about kids or how to raise them, so I'm out. Just pulling the, I'm pulling the ejector seat. How are you? Yeah. Are you well? I I am well. This is my first week of being a full-time stay-at-home dad. So oh, for the wow. next five months, I'm going to be, well, until mid-August, end of August, so four or five months, I'm going to be full-time daddy. No work, which is fantastic because I live in Sweden and we get half a year's pay parental leave per parent, which is amazing. Wow. So taking full advantage of that. So my wife isn't going to go back to work. She's been off for almost a year now. And I'm going to be able to stay at home and still get you know, money to do that. So that's yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And would have been perfect. Would have been perfect had a WTC not had to postpone this year because you'd been able to have so much time for organising. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe I'd say yes, but then it's obviously looking after a kid full time does is not a holiday. But yeah, I mean, disappointing to say the least. Oh, having mm. to cancel. But realist, but realist. I mean, you and me have had conversations about this, obviously off air. Because you, you've been, you obviously been our streaming partner, and I think this, this has been on the books since sort of like uh, end of January, start of Feb, when the realities of the uh, vaccination started to come through. That you know, actually, it's not going to go as fast as you think, and especially in Europe, you know, the signs have been there. And was it a couple yesterday, or day before? Like, for example, the Swedish health minister issued like a new statement. Previously, I was saying everyone was going to have, everyone was going to be vaccinated by June, by by midsummer. Okay. Now, now they're saying that everyone over the age of eighty will be offered a vaccination by mid-August, and right. offered means you'll have a letter saying, "Hey, you'll get a vaccination on this date." Okay. So, so it's mid-August. So mid-August doesn't even mean you'll get your your first jab before mid-August. It might so you get a letter telling you you'll get your first jab in November potentially. Wow. So vaccinations are not working in Europe. The system's just falling apart in the EU for whatever reason. <coughs> so the reality is you can't run an event if people aren't vaccinated. That's my opinion. Not an international event. Yeah, I mean, of course not. Of course not. If you're running, if you're running an event, like just say, oh, I'm going to run an event in Gothenburg and restrictions allow me to run a 30-man event and it's like people local to Gothenburg come in, well, it's not, you know, you have masks and stuff, it should be okay. But when you talk about people travelling across borders on airplanes you know probably having to like transfer in airports and stuff you're just running so much more risks there i think yeah of course you are of course you are yeah and, and the right decision but obviously a bit sad um but like other events uh by the way shout out to everyone in the chat for joining us man dolly's what up he says just think of warhammer as your child inheritance the more you buy now the more they can sell later yeah, uh, right. so this is me with like forge world custodians models definitely <laughs> investment 
<laughs> Big long-term investment. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I mean, some of the uh, UWP stuff, I've said that wrong, the out-of-production stuff, goes for crazy money on eBay, right? Oh, hell yeah. Um, I have a friend of mine, uh, Curious Web, Chris Webb, he has a great website called Ninja Bread. He used to do a fantastic satirical comment for, about GW stuff until right. he asked him to stop because it got very edgy at one point. Oh, wow. But um, he is a fantastic painter and he is really into our production models. Like he's slowly building a, uh, a squat, a, 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 a squat army out of official outproduction models, not recast, but proper outproduction models. He's also doing a first edition Space Marine model for all the original road trading marines he's very much into that retro hammer right, and okay. he's to spend a lot of money um find sourcing these models and finding these models so well, a big like, for it. well like just to like relate it to like a current trend obviously if anyone is aware of the pokemon trading card game kind of like trend at the moment like in the past kind of year and i guess it might like be at the end of the trend now but like it's been a thing i don't know if you've been keeping uh, up neil but some like of the like larger youtubers who aren't really like in the the non-geek youtubers to a degree if that makes sense um have started buying and purchasing a lot of the original packs to the point where there's been like fake resales of original packs where they've been buying boxes and they've been buying them for ludicrous money putting the market price up and then uh, opening them live on stream and kind of like you know just doing it for clicks and stuff however the uh the kind of uh uh, the interesting bit I think about this and about our hobby generally is we've talked about like the explosion of our hobby in the past few years. I think we're we're only at the cusp of where that's going to be. Personally, I don't think oh. in any way this is a a downward trend. I think this is only an upward trend because obviously we've got the uh, the TV shows, all the media projects coming out from Games Workshop or, and kind of their licensed partners over the next couple of years. I think we're going to be inundated which kind of means we might like push into that sphere where people are like collecting old school like first generation like warhammer models or even books and and the stonks will be even higher well that's kind of where i'm at i don't know what you think no i think so i think more than the we'll say the gw media stuff i think it's the fact that because obviously you know we'll say the current generation, the our generation, the, the people, kids come up now, and the people coming now that will sustain this hobby. They are all about YouTube. They're all about the about you know online media and online uh, influencers. And you've got people like General Kenobi. You've got uh, what's his name, Magic Carp Usefly. These yeah. major names. And was it Magic Carp Usefly has like a hundred thousand subscribers. Oh, I think more than that. Well, it's like you know, yeah, it's like he, he averages like his his forty k streams average like you know several thousand at a time you know these guys are getting into 40k um this that's where the explosion is going to go and then the youtube stuff will sustain it but it's these guys these big names really getting to 40k in a big way and actually streaming and showing that they're doing 40k as well um, i think that's gonna be the game changer in the next few years i don't see i don't agree with you like because i i still think like no i agree that that's gonna like that's gonna push the boat but i yeah. think the wind in the sails can we all just take a moment to appreciate that analogy really proud of myself uh it's gonna be when the general public it's your game of thrones people yeah who've never accessed any fantasy ever other than game of thrones and once they once we get them into it via netflix shows or amazon shows like it's it's all uphill downhill you you decide where you want to take that that bit i think i I can get that but i always think to myself 
will that happen? Will your average Joe really buy into this as much? The, exact, the reason I say that is because of the World of Warcraft movie. You know, well, Blizzard, well, see, Blizzard invested so much money in that film to really they were seeing it as a way to really re, you know, re, re, re revigorate World of Warcraft and get loads more new people into it because it's stagnated. It turns out the player base has stagnated and they weren't really getting much more new people into it. And from what I gather, it did very little. Like yeah, it but it's, it wasn't more. it wasn't really good. Like I, like my my point is is like like because they tried to make it like PG thirteen child friendly. Like and and ultimately Warhammer's not that, and they'll have to do like, and I think that's obviously one of the selling points of Game of Thrones was that it wasn't like it wasn't pitched to that; it was pitched to adults, right? And I think if they're smart, they'll obviously pitch everything towards adults, and maybe they'll do some like you know animated Star Wars style like cartoons and like, push them more to kids. Um, not that they're not dark in their own way as well, or powerful and emotional in their own way, you know, like Avatar and stuff. But I think. Uh, I think if they get it right, but you're right, they could just like absolutely flummox it and, and mess it up. Uh, I can I could get that, but I, I don't think that they will. I think the stories are too good. I think if they get the right people on board. Um, let me see what the guys chat saying. Is it because the film was hot shit? I mean, it was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Netflix, Netflix Guardsman version of Band of Brothers, Toby Silverstone. Great. Uh, great idea. See, that works. I think you can put a lot of pitch into it, but if they do it successfully, however they do it, I think that's when we'll end up with this like ludicrous, ludicrous wave of uh, of people. But I I agree with you, Neil, that I do think that those people, like those big YouTubers, are already going to be dragging people into the hobby wholesale. Um, yeah. uh, so I think that I think that's kind of a fascinating part. I mean, at the same time, just the simple fact is that being into Warhammer, being a gamer, is not a negative thing anymore. You know, when we were kids. No, thankfully I was, you know, captain of the school rugby team. I was one of the biggest lads at school, so I didn't get stick. Well, I didn't get. I, I got stick. But I didn't get bullied per se for for gaming. But a lot of my friends got really badly bullied for being more gamers. You know that kind of uh, this, this the, 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 the you know nerd culture is acceptable now, and I think that's also a, I think that's a way bigger deal than a lot of people give credit to. That people are more open about it, the more and so they're more involved in it, and therefore it's going to spread. And again. Getting it obviously, GW makes its makes its makes its real money off the middle off off middle aged gamers because they're the ones that invest huge amounts of money yeah, yeah, in yeah. buying stuff. But you need to hook them early. You know, it's just like anything. The gateway drug is when they're teenagers. It's getting them hooked when they're younger and creating lifelong hobbyists that will invest money later on in life. And I think again, because nerd culture is so much more acceptable, I think GW have a massive opportunity there to sort of get it main and it is, and it is mainstream now you know warhammer is a, is a word that people understand it's a mainstream word it's not like when i was a kid and my dad would try to explain to other parents what i did and they're like what but now everyone knows what the warhammer shop is they know what games workshop is it's just part of you know pop culture yeah yeah of course it is next we need to make them not think that we're all a bunch of cavemen belling uh smelly nerds that's the next yeah. step because uh, that's still something i get struck by all the time uh, oh, yeah. that's the next step we got this boys and girls obviously um, I mean, even, my, even my wife says that she's probably look up now and laugh but i mean she's always like wow your gamer friends are like so normal and friendly <laughs> and not and not at all like neck bearded troglodytes <laughs> well we do try um <laughs> are their prices as accessible as when we were kids no i don't think that's the case no. at all um, but, in, but then again, also think, isn't it 
they, they, they were definitely marketing middle age, uh, middle class families. And so middle class families, what's their dispos- what disposable income do they have to burn on their kids? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I can't go buy free rhinos in a box of ten quid anymore. No. No. <laughs> so, PLC, have loads of love to you. Thanks everyone for joining us live. So, um, uh, yeah, HBO Gaunt's Ghost is one of the things that's coming out. I, I mean, I with rapt attention. I might even do like a whole like spin-off YouTube kind of channel just reviewing them. I'm really big into film and cinema and TV, and I think it would be super fun to just kind of do like a like drunk review of like a, of each episode or something, which would be uh, really good. I'd have to obviously get some people drunk and then get them to review it, but I think that would be fun. Um, also, can we talk about something? This is kind of like a, a personal thing. So if, I'm, if I miss the mark with this anecdotal story, then of course, feel free to like put a pin in me and say, hey, Rob, I don't think this is generally true. Go However, uh, super dates, intrigued now. <laughs> dates in my life, yeah, I don't like horror movies, right? right. I don't, I, how about this? I don't care for horror movies. I don't give a shit about horror movies. Let's just yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's not. I don't. I go to go to the cinema to be entertained, and horror movies don't entertain me. But something about women fucking love horror movies. That, or maybe that's the women I've dated. Okay, I mean, you're asking the wrong person here because I was. So in my twenty, when I t- just after I turned twenty, I got into a relationship. And I was in that relationship for 10 years. And then we broke up. And then I think nine, like almost a year later, me and Maria got together. Maria was the first person I sort of dated after breaking up from a long-term relationship. And now I'm married to her. So okay. I'm, not a, I'm not a good gauge on dating. And neither, Maria nor my previous partner care for horror movies whatsoever okay. <laughs> so, well, so I'm definitely so... not the, I'm, I'm definitely not the person to ask about dating. I think, I mean, honestly, I've been on I think I've been not even on ten dates my entire life. Well, I've seen, I've seen the Twitch, I've seen as the Twitch guy I've got on my back here. Tory Rob says true and crime. Yeah, like I would like honestly, this is one of the weird things. So if you go on to like, I'm going to do the research after this. This is currently, currently just a guess, right in my head. But I am honestly after this going to go do the research and Google it. The percentage of people who watch Warhammer content who are females is very, 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 very low. Yes. Yeah. However. I think if you went onto true crime and horror podcasts or something like that, I reckon that it's probably more women than men. I'm um, going to like... For true crime, it is 100% that. I think I heard a statistic somewhere that it's pushing 70% for the uh, big true crime uh, podcasts. It is a yeah. hugely female-dominated genre. Fascinating. To, yeah. And my point is is that doing Gaunt's Ghost or doing the the Warhammer stuff and uh, the, the this is where I'm bringing it back to the Warhammer. This yeah. is the, the long road and I apologize. Doing that, like, so having horror or crime Warhammer content as TV shows, I think is the pathway into us getting more ladies generally into the hobby. Yeah, because ultimately, for some reason, they fucking love that shit. Like, and that's, which is wild. Uh, but I think... Uh, uh, I, yeah. I'm worried my wife keeps taking notes. True crime, no question. Uh, all the murder docs on Netflix, says Scott B. Uh, my fiance isn't a horror fan, but she loves murder mysteries and anything with a big twist, says Colonel Cabbage. Um, it's because all the men are out committing crimes. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe that's true. And again, <laughs> eject a seat from this conversation. Uh, yeah. well, <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, again, I'm, I'm, in, my fa- in my house, I'm the one who watches all the crime dramas and all the true crime stuff. 
but my wife that's because my wife hates watching them with me because i work out what's happened like halfway through the, i'm like oh this is the guy who killed the person this is how it happened like halfway through the season and she just doesn't want to watch stuff with me anymore because i'm always working it out too early uh, yeah, um, so lure females in with horror, horror, gore, and crime. Again, I'm going to eject a seat out of this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> second time I've gone myself down a road. I don't want to be in. I'm out. Safety, da- safety dance. Safety dance. <laughs> <laughs> Warhammer Midsummer. Fuck yeah, Pete. You get it. Again, let's safety dance out this conversation. Let's move on to terrain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, men want to recreate war, murder, and violence in miniatures, whereas women want to figure out who the culprit is interesting yes it's probably something to do with someone said um uh, i think horror is uh it's a safe cathartic experience of fear women go through real fear should um uh because of really terrible men on a regular basis completely true horror movies are a safe experience good point yes meatballs i mean there's probably some genuine like social critique in that whole conversation but yeah. again based on not knowing enough and not wanting to do anything eject to see uh <laughs> but the thing is this, is, this conversation please. Before we go, I'm just say I am. I have a friend of mine, and she actually works for the UN with uh, women's rights. I mean, this woman's hardcore. She smuggled herself into Palestine, for example. Okay, like she's hardcore. So I'm actually going to ask her when we go. Off, I'm going to actually message her when we go off stream and ask her if she knows anything about this. I'm super fascinated to find out if these, if our horrific assumptions are correct. Okay, let's <laughs> do, let's, let's but do let's that. Move, but let's move on. Let's do that. And if you want to leave any comments, thank God YouTube is removing the dislike button. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, wait, Colonel Cavi says, my fiance has a terrible memory for characters, names, and faces, but somehow I guess his are at who the murderer is are scarily accurate. I uh, I don't know how she does it when she seems confused about who is who a lot of the time. <laughs> Maybe it's a vibe. But Knigget makes the best point. Let's use that as a segue. Uh, the best place to hide a body is in terrain. Nailed yes. it. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Fantastic. Um, oh, congratulations, Tristan, on his dad going for the party for the first time. Uh, Neil, uh, yeah. so I brought up the conversation about terrain, and probably better than anyone, maybe in the world, over the past like several years, obviously with the organisation <laughs> of the WTC. Like, I mean, there are other people who've done large scale events. I think the other pe- the other people I would ask, are obviously Reese and Frankie, um, yeah. like because they do consistent large events as well. But I'm, I don't know what the numbers... What's the largest WTC or ETC that's happened? Like, now, if you're talking single... You're talking for the, a single event at the ETC, you're talking overall. Probably... Because like, it's uh, a multi-system event. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the single biggest... Maybe instance of 40k would probably be the right version. So I think we, I think we hit 40. 40 teams. 40 teams. So what's that? 40 times eight, 320 gamers... Wow. Plus hangers on, say say three fifty, maybe pushing four hundred. But one hundred and sixty tables. One hundred and sixty tables. Yeah, and like we worked out yesterday, um, like if we're doing ninth edition currently, if you're doing fifty tables, then you're looking at six hundred pieces of terrain. So you're looking at fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred pieces of terrain uh, yeah. in that situation. Although maybe at that point, maybe the terrain wasn't quite as like dense, or there wasn't quite as much. But that's still well, significant, right? Well, this is this is it. I mean, our terrain's been a bugbear of mine for years, um, and it is. And this is the thing. I, I was, the reason I messaged you today because I was listening to the, the Tuesday's podcast today as I walking Dylan. And terrain is something that I've. There's been a hot topic for me for such a long time. I mean, for people who don't know, I used to be one of the big TOs in the UK, and I've been running tournaments for over twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then, I used, in, in the UK, 
you know, this is sort of pre pre two thousand twelve. I ran tournaments UK for about ten years before, um, in the sort of two thousands. And back then, you know, if you were in a a, lar- a really large event, you needed to make use of a gaming hall, a big gaming hall, and normally it meant Warhammer World or a place like Maelstrom when Maelstrom opened. And you then obviously tied by the terrain that was there. And this was always a, a bugbear for me. So it's like the terrain is good, but there's no there's no, not always enough to re- good terrain to make every table good. And so you end up sacrificing tables. And the brutal thing is you generally make the top tables more balanced than the bottom tables. Right. And that was always an issue for me. And it was always something like, you know, we need to get better terrain. But the problem is like Warhammer, and this is there'll be a point in this. Warhammer World and obviously Maelstrom and these are bespoke gaming venues. They want to make their terrain look shit hot. Yeah. Because they want to have a shithole looking venue, a shithole looking terrain. Which doesn't mean that they can expand their collection or adapt their collection quickly. Yeah. Um so that there is so that that creates an issue there. Whereas it's so obviously then if you're gonna run a big event, you need to have functional terrain you can mass produce. Um you obviously you want to avoid doing an LGT and not even painting the stuff. But I think for if you if you are trying to if you're going to do a big event and so say you and say, I mean, you know, it's very hard to imagine you do your first event and get 100, 100 people to your first event. Normally, events scale up, but seeing you do your big your first event is massive. I'd be more interested in making it look, making sure every single table functions, than it looking pretty. Yeah. But then I'd like to see TOs, but like to, then you'd like to then invest over the years to make the TO, the terrain prettier as you go along. And I think the problem is that a lot of people, a lot of TOs miss the mark, either that they just. They just think functional is acceptable, and they never go beyond functional, ever. Yeah. Or they just get so fixated on terrain being the sexiest possible that they never have enough. If they you never me. have enough. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, like, so talk sorry. to me about. So talk to me about like. So obviously, it probably would have would have been good to have asked Ishikon as well, really. But like, talk to me about. I'm sure you've talked to him enough to to understand. Talk to me about um uh, about organizing something the scale of WTC and the terrain and like and and it where you have to draw the line because you and me have, and, and and me and issue have had this conversation as well like ultimately i think like funks what's more important to you straight off from organizing a competitive team-based event is it is it function or is it like how it looks because there's kind of like a well, go on you answer that first and we'll yeah. move on. function it needs to be functional i mean one of the reasons again going back in time one of the reasons i moved or sort of two reasons that made me move my 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 biggest events in the uk from warhammer world to maelstrom and it kind of coincided almost at the same time it was a change in 40k i believe we went from fourth to fifth edition and the terrain changed how terrain function train changed quite a lot and gw weren't going to update the terrain i mean pre, they, they still have a lot of terrain there that i've seen photos of that i played on back in second edition in one world you know 20 over 15 years ago well, actually, over 25 years ago, they don't, don't update the terrain, and that was causing issues. The other issue was that GW then took a big change in their stance and they wanted non GW events in Warhammer World. I'd already looked at Maelstrom because Maelstrom had recently had been open for about a year or so, and they made terrain that would work with that addition. And that was the most important thing because it's just such, it's such a shitty, as a TO, you don't want your players feeling like they've had a shitty game or a shitty series of games. Because they've been screwed over by crap terrain, not because you know they've they've unfortunately they've got a ball and their army doesn't do perform perform particularly well on or something like that, but because the terrain is just doesn't function how it should. 
Mm-hmm. And as a, there's a distinction there between a table that's favourable for your army, because you're a shooty army, you want a more empty table. If you're an assault army, you want certain types of don't train in certain, but lots of dense line and stuff. I can train you move through. That's a different conversation. But the terrain just doesn't function at all, and it just creates a non-game because of that. Which that's, is Warhammer World. Which is now, which is Warhammer. Has been Warhammer World for unfortunately many many years, mm-hmm. because they that's just that's because you know out, out the boxes you'll be trained needs a bit of love to work. I think it's a big reason why they brought in the obscuring rule is because of they know that their out-of-box 40k terrain, their ruins don't work out of the box. You know, they they brought in the ITC don't shoot, you can't shoot through the bottom floor windows rule because they realise that eventually. Yeah, of course. So functionality, hundred percent. But at the same time as a TO, I'm not going to want to run an event where people show up and go, "Wow, I've paid X this event and it looks like dog shite." Yeah. But then so you're like, ba- go on, after you. No, so, so, so there's a balance. Functionality is absolutely the most important thing. But you can't, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm harking on Zach a bit here, but I'm sure he'll forgive me because he also is your head referee again, is that you can't put <laughs> you can't put unpainted polystyrene down or unpainted MDF down. But you can, do you know what? But you can kind I mean, I don't think, uh, and, and again, uh, if Zach wants to ever come on and talk to me about it, he's more than welcome. Like I, I, um, I, you still can't excuse the the poor preparation which uh, occurred producing the LGT level of terrain. But even looking at some of the current uh, 40k terrain in America, which is one of the conversations I've had recently, obviously. Uh, I mean, you guys are fucking sick of this conversation. I'm sure. I'm sorry. Um, but like that was. I'm not. Like, I, 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 to in well, and terrain all this. I'm super interested. I'll never get sick of it. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I thought that I still thought that terrain was. I thought bad. Like just to read some of the things that, that's in the chat, like um, uh, you know, Pete pointed out that um, uh, how well and maybe lead, lending to some of its success because we don't talk about that enough. Uh, talking about how well the FLG guys are managing the level of terrain that they've done uh, for LVO, you know, like and talking about that and the success that they've had with that. I think maybe there's something to be said for that because I was there for, in 2000, I don't know, 19, maybe two, no, 2018, maybe. Fuck it, it, might be 2017. I can't remember. Uh, but like, they were like, they had a truck. They trucked in the train. It was mm. so much. And like now, putting it all together for myself, I'm like, those guys must have been just working flat out doing that night and day. Like, it wasn't gorgeous, but it wasn't terrible either. Like, definitely better than some of the kind of like snap fit stuff I've seen recently. Um, and then uh, uh, Toby Silverstone says, uh, it wasn't uh, Bigs, sorry, Wargaming Dad says, Bigs in Bristol has loads of awesome tables, some of the best I've seen. Uh, Gitley says, Yeah, I've actually, just, I've actually just replied there and said, Yeah, they do as well. Oh, I, remember, okay. I remember the Bristol uh, gaming guys. Um, I can't remember, it's Andrew and Sarah, the, the husband and wife couple that came from there. They did, but they spent years. They spent years. That's a gaming group that's been around for a long time. They spent a long time investing in their terrain. Yeah. My issue is that t- too many TOs don't invest, reinvest. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, because I mean, the, the, the idea of reinvesting is is significant. I spoke to uh, Tom, our designer, the other day, and we were kind of talking about like average price of tables that we're producing at the moment and what that would do, what it would cost us to upscale. And we're looking in like we're talking in the the in the thousands, but we were looking at a price point of close to ten thousand pounds if we wanted to host like a large scale event with the quality terrain that we think is applicable to put out. That's yeah. a lot of fucking money. Like and yeah. then like like and then you're not making tons back on that. You have to like repeat custom. You have to put events on all the time. 
and like and it's it's a really interesting convo which until like which is why in Age of Sigmar and Warhammer Fantasy Battle Terms, I imagine like TOs were like in, in England they were like to bring your own terrain. I'm not fucking helping you bring your own terrain. Like it makes loads of sense, right? Like I could see that being really, really yeah. Um yeah. so that, well, like, yeah, so Nick Nicky Williams ten K to power terrain. Yeah. I mean Ishik's in the chat, he'll correct me here. But ha- about half the WTC budget, if we'd have run a WTC this year, about 40 players, pretty much half our budget was going to be on training mats. Uh, yeah. Because it is a she is a crazy amount of money to do, like you say, 140 no, teams, 160 tables. That's a monstrous amount of money to put out in one go. So a mat, is, a mat is roughly 40 to 50 quid. So let's put it as 50. And then if you want, just to make it easy for yourselves to do some quick, dirty maths put it as 100 quid for terrain which is cheap by the way that's yeah. cheap right uh so that's 150 quid a table then have 100 tables then you start to understand the price point very fucking quickly like it's it's really 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 not cheap so like so and that's why i think the conversation is quite so interesting at the moment because right now you can't even put cheap for like even when you go cheap it still doesn't look great <laughs> like, no. like, like that is the 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 wild part I think of the conversation is even when you do cheap, it doesn't look great. And then, uh, yeah, I I mean, there's loads to unpack here. Let me just see what the guys in the chat are saying. Um, so Pete's Garden says uh, 60 70 percent in the first year. I do think ticket price really needs to be a part of the conversation. Says Born Again Manchild. If you want good train, it should be prepared to pay for it. And I really do think that that's the answer. Hundred um, percent. I mean, I I. I was on to this last night when you guys were talking. We sort of segued into this last night and I messaged you about it. I think there is a big conversation we had about ticket pricing because I think a lot of TOs sell their tickets too cheap. And the reason is, is that the community is so tight-fisted when it comes to, it comes to tournaments. They want, the be- they want the best looking terrain. They want a fantastic venue. They want all the great price support, but they refuse to pay for it. And that's a massive issue. You know, coming back to like the WTC, for example, the simple fact is that one of the big reasons w- the 40k left ETC was because everyone just got tired of it being, of it never being that good. Of like the t- the boards looking pretty dodgy to terrible, of like the trail looking bad, and it always been like a, you know, it always just looking really cheap for like what's meant to be the world the World Cup. But the problem is they were never charging enough to make it anything but super cheap. And I think that the community has to accept that if they want. You know, really, really high-end events that look with amazing ta- trade, amazing tables, all these things—they gotta pay for it. Yeah. You know, it's like refer- It's like a good example is like refereeing. You know, a lot of events I I've refereed at, and you know, WTC. I don't, you know, you don't get paid. You might, you might, if you're lucky, you might get reimbursed for hotels and travel and stuff like that. If you're lucky, a lot of time you don't get that. You know, all these volunteers that run the, that are involved in these massive events don't get paid for it. And I think that's categorically wrong, you know, and I will then lean on the fact that in America, Adepticon, massive convention, um, they rely on volunteers purely and they do struggle a lot because those volunteers have to give a week, over a week of work to set up do, just for the week of the Adepticon, let alone all the work in advance. Whereas Reese pays everybody. Yeah. And the frontline gaming tournaments run very smoothly for that one reason. And they are expensive. They are more expensive. But people pay that. People, people are happy to pay that price because they know they're getting a really good event. Well, and, I think that... he pay, and he pays everyone for that. And that's the first thing you have to start doing. TOs have to stop, stop trying to make it bargain buck based. I'm not saying 
you're gonna, I'm not saying you, you ticket prices you're gonna make loads of money because you're never gonna make lots of money off a, off a tournament. But you ticket, you put your ticket price up so you can realistically cover all your costs, including the terrain, the personnel, all these things, and stop cutting corners and stop scrimping. Bye. Agreed. Agreed. Like, because it's wild, right? You think about like ticket price for for playing at Warhammer World, sixty five pound um, is kind of a ticket price for a two day. Does include food. Does include food, to be fair, yeah. and the food is normally pretty decent. Although it's been a couple of times I went, it was ropey. But like generally, it was it's okay. Like you'd you'd get better pub food, but it's fine for food, I guess. Um, I don't think the Warhammer community is particularly fussy about its food. Some of us are, but that's where where you at. Um, but I I think like I think the idea of these big ticket events, so LVO, WTC, LGT. Like I feel like um, there's a little bit more impetus on those guys for the ticket prices to be higher in some ways because if you do want bargain basement cheap, like what's like a twenty man event at your local like store? Like that's that's the one. Those guys want you like just have them. Like they're fine. Like you know I feel like there's too much pressure. We have kind of in the UK for Age of Sigmar specifically, we have a lot of kind of like mid tier. 50 to 100 player events that are like hit this is our big event like here's our 100 and i'm like you're all doing the same job and all having to try and create the same problem for this for themselves all the time i don't know um it's uh I, I agree with you i think maybe we probably should as a community accept the fact pra- fact we should pay more i think i'd rather pay more like listen cheaping out on miniatures 3d printing and all day yeah right yeah. and books <laughs> but i'd rather pay for a good event than I would pay for anything else I think is where I'm at I like absolutely kind of- and and this comes out to it it's not just the, the, the community want everyone you know people don't want to pay more than they have to that's that's a fact but I think a lot of it as well is that TOs are afraid to charge more they're afraid that they charge more people come because the current price or the average price is X which I call bullshit on you know an example is in Sweden a two day event no lunches a two day events like an average size GT, you know, is going to put you back around 25, 250 to 300 chrono, which is about 25 to 30 quid, you know. Whereas when I started, so I started running events again uh, last last year before COVID struck, and I asked for 50 quid, 500 chrono for my event, which is way more. Yeah. But it's because we're going to start, because we're going to invest, we're going to use the money, we want to reinvest the money in stuff. I still sold out in about an hour. Because people are like, why is he? Char- why are you charge? Oh, a-, a, they know who you are, and B, why are you charging more? I just said that we're charging more because we're going to. We need. This is the money we want to make. We want to invest this money, build up to this. So I'm going to charge you more because we have we have money left over. No one cared. No one complained. And yeah, Tom Dix, great point. SN SN Battle Reports is the other example. They charge a lot, high, premium prices for a high quality tournament. A premium tournament. They charge for very premium prices for it. They sell out every time. They have massive waiting lists. They have massive applicant numbers for very limited for a very limited event. Because in the people will pay. I just think Toyos are too scared to challenge the community to make them pay more. If yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Which isn't like a criticism of the community because we are we are those same people. I'm the ticket buyer in this situation. Yeah. yeah? And of course, let's just hold our hands up to a bias as well. I'm also soon to be a ticket seller. Yeah, so let's hold the hand up to that bias. And I think really it's only having the conversation, doing the math behind the scenes that I am like fascinated and also um, eternally thankful and grateful for TOs of yore that have worked their hardest to create whatever events that they can. Like, But I also think 
in the situation we're at in the moment, like, uh, like, and again, this could be some bias. So if you want to call me out on it, feel free. Like, we know we're all about that. Like, when you're hosting events in the real world, yeah, like with like like bottom lines and 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 costs, like there isn't much wiggle room on the ticket prices as we see, like at all, especially with the front loaded cost of being able to produce that event, not including yeah. even time. You know, I'm sat here right now painting some terrain. Yeah, I will be spending the entire day painting terrain and tomorrow. If I took like manual labor into the addition of that, yeah, the price skyrockets per table. Like it fucking it goes right up. Yeah. So like it, it's it's just a it's just a great conversation to have with all of us. I'm just gonna see what the guys in the chat are saying. Um like Membar says, I feel like most would be happy to pay more if they know they're getting the value for it. Uh, uh, I would for sure, says Agmember. And I think that's true as well. Yes, Meatball says, do TAO share terrain? Seems a no-brainer. I think actually, yes. But also, is that terrain being like cared for? Is that terrain being looked after? Like, is yeah. it being damaged? And you'd have to, as a TO, if I was using my terrain, I would be renting it to people. Um, you know, if, and I know there are tournaments here in Sweden where they, the TOs will rent out tables and stuff to events. But long term you want to have you want to if you want to do this long term as a to you need to invest in your own stuff just because it will cost you less and you'll have more control over it you know going back to the etc issue the etc didn't never owned anything so all the terrain for 40k for fantasy fans all that terrain was either was basically either local the local host made it for the event but in reality what more normally happened was they borrow it from sources they get it shipped in from other TOs and local events and stuff like that. So you have a real hodgepodge. And again, what's your event going to look like? Do you want your, do you want your tables to look cohesive? You know, when, you're, when your players show up, they're going to appreciate and be more happy with an event where the tables look cohesive. Now, when tables are a real hodgepodge and you know, mishmash of different terrain types, not terrain types, terrain styles, quality, paint, all these things look it looks like a, mish- a mishmash. Just like as a player, you're happy playing against an opponent that has an army that looks like it's been painted by him and it's easy forced to, you know, Tom Layton, borrow hammer, and he's borrowed from 50 different sources and including the crystals, and you're just not happy looking at that. And again, I think a big thing about TO is it comes back to as a player, and this is me personally as a player, I'm a huge, I'm a huge bias, I'm a player, I'm a TO, and I'm a referee. But I think as a player, when I go to an event, I want to feel like my money is well invested. And for me, that is not just the gaming, it's the, it's the aesthetic as well that's a big deal for me. Yeah, I so. agree. I agree. I think here in the UK, one of the reasons that, that an event that happens here, uh, Bobo, has done so, so well, um, because it's just in a really fucking nice venue. Like, yeah. I mean, and then John uh, John and Johnny would just do some really weird shit, like they'd have bands on. Um, it, like, I think I like, I'm, I think it's fair in saying that they could have done better with the food. I think that's one of the, uh, the bits of feedback that they've had um, and could do better. But then their other event that they did was inside a casino. <laughs> like it was great like it yeah. was a casino like and i think one of the things about it being moved out like taking our hobby which like is the player base is generally a an affluent middle class sort of like community yeah like in doing all sorts of different jobs um but generally are okay for spending some money like you want they should like they should have like a good weekend away and also like one of the things about Bobo I really liked it had so it, it was for a media person Bobo was particularly great it had these bit four giant big projected screens 
that you could put stuff on because it had bands on all the time and it had a giant stage so the venue looked wicked it had like this multimedia kind of like feel to it it was in this like yeah. really high-end uh, venue in lincoln uh same actually shout out to everyone in sweden at krigslundtan same deal it was in the middle yes. of this gorgeous hotel you've been you've been to the event or, i've not know, been to the event but, I, but I, i've been to, i've been to the hotel for rugby conferences right yeah you know that <laughs> so, that yeah. kind of like that weird box room that it's in yeah but it's beautiful, right? Like, it's gorgeous, as yeah, you would expect. It's from, lovely. Like... It's panelled and it's everything. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Really, really nice. And again, uh, same, actually, CCBB. Um, uh, I don't know much about, like, kind of Canadian architecture, but it was in a... Ju- the food at CBBB like, uh, uh, was insane. Like, it was insane. There was, like, Starbucks coffees and teas were free. Like, uh, <laughs> I remember the lady who was serving the food. There was this giant kind of, like, fruit salad. Yeah? And she was like... I came along and I was like, oh, can I have some of that, please? She was like, oh, no one seems to be wanting this. And I was like, that's just kind of a Wargamer thing, ma'am. I'm so sorry. Like, no one's going to be eating the fruit salad. They're going to be eating the eclairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Owen, yeah, I know. I never went to the Dutch GT, uh, but I know Owen went, uh, set a very high standard. The food was amazing. Yeah, that's so I think, in like, the uh, hotel, the airport, I believe. The Chipotle airport. It? Yeah, and the same, you know, venue is massive, like you say. You know, having, you know, <laughs> play, playing in a school hall a lot there's a lot of entertainment in school halls because this is the way it works Most, a lot of gamers are teachers blah 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 it's not the same as when you go to like say a high class event you know like Malmo they've got the, the Malmo War Games weekend is in a lovely hotel in Malmo and it's an events hotel it's built onto an arena so it looks good it feels great and like one of the best tournaments I went to was a thing called X Legion I don't think it exists anymore and it was in the New Forest and it was in wow. this like it was in this um, church vicarage so it's a nice old wooden rafted build. The building was lovely, like an old wooden, wooden like wooden beams and wooden rafts and stuff. But also the fact you're just in the middle of the, the new forest. You step out of the venue, you're just in the forest. You know, lunch was in the pub down the road, and it was just again the fact that it was like the location made it super appealing. Yeah, and I and I buy into that 100. You know, I mean, and this is again because I'm I'm not the kind of gamer that's going to. If you're the kind of guy that's like we'll say going for your internet ranking points, you're gonna you're gonna grind. And you're gonna grind regardless. Yeah, you don't give but a think, shit about anything. I think the vast majority of tournament players are not grinding. Are, are a bit more discerning about what they get. What what week they've got limit. You've got limited weekends of jobs, family, whatever. Um, and because of that, you're going to be a bit more discerning about what you're going to invest your money in to go to for that weekend. And you're definitely going to go to an event. Again, this comes back to the aesthetics and it comes back to the venue. It comes back to all these things. You know, there was, um, I didn't go because I, I played War Machine. But I was never good enough to get onto the team. But the first ever War Machine, like ETC, WTC, was in, I can't remember, it was in Belgium or Holland. But they had it in a NATO bunk, in like an old disused NATO training bunker. That's awesome. And it was like barracks, it was like a bunker, and it was like the whole kind of aesthetic. You're going to play a War Games tournament, and you're in like a, a, a facility built for war. And it just created this very cool aesthetic. That's cool. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a big deal, you know. When we, look at, when we look at venues for the WTC, we're looking for venues that obviously meet our needs, functional, look good, air, air conditioning. Too many ETCs without air conditioning, horror stories there. But we're also looking for venues that look freaking cool. You know, Austria... I could pre- if you ask any of the captains who voted for Austria, I know, a lot of them will probably say they voted because the venue, the original venue, was going to be a hotel with a jumbo jet on the roof. Okay. And That's the restaurant, okay. and the restaurant was in the jumbo jet. 
<laughs> and it's just this, like, cool. and it was just this crazy cool thing. They end up getting a better venue. There's a new purpose-built venue, like gate, like sports venue built, which the local government said, "Use this. We'll give you your, we'll give you massive discounts." So we changed there, but this idea of being able to play in a venue that had a jet, and it was like a seven three seven on the roof. That was cool. People wanted that. Do, do you know one of the things that I would like to see? And uh, this is a shout out to everyone in the chat. Oh, oh big shout out to Owen. Just said the Frostart GT in Russia from the weekend was a former Soviet Union film studios. Huge cavernous hangars to play in. It looked great. I really liked. Yeah. I really liked it in there. Um, hey, Sergeant Rolf. I like. If anyone wants to do this as a TO, I can't. Right. This isn't. This is no longer going to be our function or something. No wargamer can do because obviously. Um, like I, I trust myself to be quick. Like I'm the first that's going to line up to cuss, cuss myself. But yeah. For impartiality, let's be honest. Yeah, I don't think there's no reason you can't have like some sort of um, what's the app where you review the food? Uh, the uh, I'm thinking of TripAdvisor. It's not TripAdvisor. Tri- yeah, TripAdvisor though. Trip like TripAdvisor for for war game events. I think is absolutely yeah. okay. Yeah, like a Yelp sort of a situation for for war gaming events. I think and and be harsh is where I would be at. Like yeah. I'd be like, but. Yeah, but, but we have that in a way unofficially. The fact that you know the community communicates. I mean, I Does used to run know? a. I, I used Does to run like... but again examples. I used to run a. I when I, I went to university in York, and they had this great gaming club in York, and it was but there was all historical games and stuff. There was like three guys that played forty k, but it was good fun. And they ran um, a thing called Vapid Attack, which is a big trade show in the York Racecourse, and I was like, well, I can, there's lots of space here. Can, I can run a forty k tournament. So I did like a one day thousand point tournament. Right, and the first year I ran it, it was just basically mates who showed up, people that knew me showed up, and I sold maybe twenty tickets. The next year, I had like a hundred people showing up because word of mouth was spread that the venue was cool and this was cool and it was a good events and da da da. And like a one day tournament was rare back then. Yeah, of course. A lot of times are two days. And like a one day thousand points, you play six games because all the games were really short, and it was like the year second year exploded because everyone was just like, and all these people I'd never met in my life showed up. I was like, yeah, I heard, I saw the pictures, I heard these things, it was amazing, and I, you know, my family situation, my life means I can only play one day, so this is the one day I'm going to go to. And I think social media and stuff definitely has that effect. I mean, was it was it the Dallas GT with their desert boards that uh, Nick Nanavati came out and openly, very well, but he, he openly came out and he critiqued them in a very constructive way, saying, like, not being funny, I'm not going to invest money to travel from Florida to Dallas to Texas just play for a weekend at this event when the train when the boards look like this and these are the reasons why i don't like it and they caved i mean yeah they, they caved because it's nick Danavati and because he's him and he's always going to draw people to the event but the point is there that you know people and the event is reviewed well people will return to it why has lvo got a thousand people if, if reese ran a, ran a shit show of an event a thousand people wouldn't show up yeah, no yeah agreed. Agreed. And I yeah. think one of the really key points to take away about from LVO is the terrain. Like, yeah. time and again. I mean, it's in Las Vegas, which pitches. It's the place, you know. Cool. Uh, I mean, like, I want to go. I, I, I'm not going to gamble. But I want to go to be in, to be in the tournament in Vegas in the casino. The idea sounds cool. I'm not going to gamble. But it'll be a cool venue. It'll be a cool experience just to be there. Bally's. Fucking Bally's. Yeah, it's all right. It's wild, though. <laughs> <laughs> weird you like walk out of the venue in your or in some sort of parisian uh hotel it's the weirdest thing uh but it's it's kind <laughs> but of it's, but it's like the one on um oceans 11 or something isn't that the one from oceans 11 
Is it I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. I find the entire experience surreal, if I'm honest. Well, well either way, I'm t- next year I turn 40, and I've said to my wife, I would like to, I would like one of two trips to America as a, pre- as a birthday present. Either Las Vegas Open or the Las Vegas Team Tournament. Yeah. And I'll probably and I'll probably pay for the other myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel like I, well, I want I wanted I want to do the Las Vegas team tournament. I want to do the Las Vegas Open just to say I've done it once and been there. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a big pitch for people generally, like for that that, that one off event. Although I can't really think uh, of an, of a time when I won't go back to CanCon or Australia at least once a year, um, because those guys are great. I'd love to go. Like, there's so many great Sweden, Australia, um, and loads of places still to come. Uh, so yeah, so I think a great chat. Um, uh, with you, Neil. Thank you. And uh, still on this kind of subject, I think it's a good chat to have before we start to go back to events. Generally, yeah. for everyone around the world to be having those, um, uh, uh, yeah, like those kind of like stories and conversations. But like, I, I, and anyone who's got any thoughts or ideas or things that they want to talk about around this subject, please do let me know uh, because it's still an ongoing conversation and something I'm always interested in seeing. Um, and no criticisms uh, are being thrown around here. More just like as a community, I feel like could do better and we deserve more and it could be more. Also, like it's hard to pitch to like a news organization, let's say, or, um, you know, someone who you want to get into the hobby. And it's like, do you want to go down this local like school hall uh, and play on these like green boards uh, with no t- the terrain you have to bring yourself like that? That's terrible. I'm not going to do that at all. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's like no thanks <laughs> yeah i think i think i'll avoid that uh, so yeah if anyone's got any thoughts or something that they want to uh they want to um, have about it then let us know thanks for listening uh, neil thanks for coming on the show no worries buddy uh we're gonna raid someone now uh would you like us to raid a warhammer person or a weird uh just chatting person i don't know after uh i mean i always like warhammer stuff because i'm a warhammer person but i just find someone's painting something interesting that's what okay, I well, there's do. someone painting a, a floaty boaty. Um, uh, I know you like a good floaty boaty. Uh, <laughs> I need to make that as a t-shirt, <laughs> <laughs> like Tom's face and floaty boaty. Uh, just like I need to make, just like I need to make lots of objective markers of your face on and hand them out to all TOs who are running streams because you love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want that. Yes, I, it's gonna no, happen. It's no, gonna be no. a thing. Me and Tom have already discussed this. <laughs> uh, or there is someone making a super cute Games, Games Workshop Dreadnought or someone painting a Saurus Knight. Those are your options. I want the, the super cute Dreadnought because I've got a soft spot for Dreadnoughts. Okay, okay. Uh, so we're going to go raid that person. Uh, Twitch chat, thanks for tuning in. Um, uh, you're all brilliant and love you tons. Don't forget Donal's on the show tomorrow, um, uh, which is going to be really fun. And we're going to be doing our Bin versus Sin conversation. Still, we can also uh, unpack the fact that we've seen the points leaks and probably by tomorrow we might be able to have a, a conversation about the rules for some of the Cursed City stuff. Don't forget tomorrow if you don't get your Cursed City stuff, it that's okay. Um, it's probably going to sell out. So Honest Wargamer Crew, if you do want it, make sure you get there like early with your F5s and whatever. Uh, maybe on a couple of different websites. Uh, hope you all have a lovely day. Neil, thanks again for being on the show. Always a Go pleasure, buddy. Let's go do the raid. Uh, Love you all. Take care of yourself. See you soon.